so we're back to reading Harry Potter on to chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Let's begin. Chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Nearly ten years had passed since the Dursleys had woken up to find their nephew on the front step, but Privet Drive had hardly changed at all. The sun rose on the same tidy front garden and lit up the brass number four on the Dursleys' front door. It crept into their living room, which was almost exactly the same as it had been on the night when Mr. Dursley had seen that fateful news report about owls. Only the photographs on the mantelpiece really showed how time had passed. Ten years ago, there had been lots of pictures of what looked like large pink beach ball, a large pink beach ball wearing different color bobble hats. But Dudley Dursley was no longer a baby. And now the photographs showed a large blonde boy riding his first bicycle on a roundabout at the fair, playing a computer game with his father, being hugged and kissed by his mother. The room held no sign at all that another boy lived in their house too. Yet Harry Potter was there, asleep at the moment, but not for long. His Aunt Petunia was awake and her shrill voice which made the first noise of the day, said, Up! Get up! Now! Harry woke with a start. <clears throat> His aunt rapped on the door again. Up! She screeched. Harry heard her walking towards the kitchen. In the sound of a frying pan being put on the cooker, he rolled onto his back, trying to remember the dream he had had. It had been a good one. There had been a flying motorbike in it. He had a funny feeling he'd had the same dream before. His aunt was back outside the door. Are you up yet? She demanded. Nearly, said Harry. Well, get a move on. I want you to look after the bacon. And don't you dare let it burn. I want everything perfect on Dudley's birthday. Harry groaned. What did you say? His aunt snapped through the door. Nothing, nothing, replied Harry. Dudley's birthday. How could he have forgotten? Harry got slowly out of bed, started looking for socks. He found a pair under his bed after pulling a spider off them. Harry was used to spiders because the cupboard under the stair was full of them. That was where he slept. He was When he was dressed, he went down the hall into the kitchen the table was almost hidden beneath the Dudley's birthday presents. It looked as though Dudley had got the new computer he wanted, not to mention the second television and the racing bike. It was exactly why exactly why Dudley wanted a racing bike was a mystery to Harry, as Dudley was very fat and hated exercise, unless it involved punching somebody. Harry's Dudley's favorite punching bag was Harry, but he couldn't often catch him. Harry didn't look it, but he was very fast. 
And so, small spoiler, so you can forward ahead if you don't want to listen. Harry becomes Seeker. He becomes the youngest in the centuries, especially because he has a lot of agility and he's super fast. Uh, my favorite chapter is the Quidditch one, which we'll get to in a few chapters. Okay, let's continue. Perhaps it had to do with living in a dark cupboard, but Harry had always been small and skinny for his age. He looked even smaller and skinnier than he really was for his age because he had to wear all of Dudley's old clothes. And Dudley was about four times bigger than he was. Harry had a thin face, knobbly knees, and black hair, and bright green eyes. He wore a lot. He wore round glasses held together by a lot of cello tape. Uh, it's we call it tape, but since this is a British story, it's called cello tape. Because of all the times Dudley had punched him on the nose, the only thing Harry liked about his own appearance was a very thin scar, which was shaped like a bolt of lightning. He had it as long as he could remember. And the first question he could ever remember asking Aunt Petunia was how he got it. In a car crash when your parents died, she had said, Now don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. That was the first rule of a quiet life with the Dursleys. Uncle Vernon entered the kitchen as Harry was turning over the bacon. Comb your hair! He barked. By way of a morning greeting, about once a week, Uncle Vernon looked over the top of his newspaper and shouted that Harry needed a haircut. Harry must have had more haircuts than the rest of the boys in his class put together, but it made no difference. His hair simply grew that way, all over the place. As Harry was frying eggs, by the time Dudley arrived in the kitchen with his mother, Dudley looked a lot like Uncle Vernon. He had a large pink face, not much neck, and small, watery blue eyes, and a thick, blonde hair that lay smoothly on his thick, fat head. Aunt Petunia often said Dudley looked like a baby angel. Harry often said that Dudley looked like a pig in a wig. <laughs> a pig in a wig. Harry put the plates of bacon and eggs on the table, which was difficult as there wasn't much room. Dudley, meanwhile, was counting his presents. His face fell. Thirty-six, he said, looking up at his mother and father. That's two less than last year. Darling, you haven't counted the Aunt Marge's press, and see, there's a big one from Mummy and Daddy. All right, 37 then, said Dudley, going red in the face, who could see a huge Dudley tantrum coming on, began wolfing down his bacon as fast as possible in case Dudley turned the table over. Aunt Petunia obviously scented danger too. Because she said very quickly, we'll buy you another two presents while we're out today. How's that, Popkin? Two more presents. Is that all right? Dudley thought for a moment it looked like hard work. Finally, he said slowly, so I'll have 30, 30, 39 sweet said Aunt Petunia. Oh, said Dudley as he sat down heavily and grabbed the nearest parcel. All right, then. Uncle Vernon chuckled. Little Tyke wants his money worth. 
just like his father. Attaboy, Dudley. He ruffled Dudley's hair. At that moment, the telephone rang and Aunt Petunia went to answer it. While Harry and Uncle Vernon watched Dudley unwrap a racing bike, a sign, a kind sign camera, a remote control aeroplane, 16 new computer games, and a video recorder. He was ripping the paper off a golden wristwatch when Aunt Petunia came back from the telephone looking both angry and worried. Bad news, Vernon, she said. Uncle Fig... Ah, why am I saying Uncle Fig? Miss Fig's broken her leg. She can't take him. She jerked her head in Harry's direction, as though it was his fault. Dudley's mouth fell open in horror, but Harry's heart gave a leap. Every year on Dudley's birthday, his parents took him and a friend out for the day to adventure parks, hamburger bars, or the cinema. Every year... Harry was left behind with Miss Fig, a mad old lady who lived two, who lived two streets away. Okay, another spoiler for, spoiler alert. Miss Fig is actually a squib. A squib is someone born to magical parents but has no magic in them. So, and in the fifth book, she comes and she invites Harry inside and reveals she is a squib, and that Dumbledore told her to protect Harry. Okay, let's continue. Harry hated it there. The whole house smelled like cabbage, Miss Fig's house. Miss Fig made him look at photographs of all the cats she had ever owned. Now what? said Aunt Petunia, looking furiously at Harry as though he had planned this. Harry knew he ought to feel bad and sorry that Miss Fig had broken her leg, but it wasn't easy when he reminded himself it would be a whole year before he had to look at Tibble, Snowy, and Mr. Paws and Tufty again. We could phone Marge, Uncle Vernon suggested. Don't be silly, Vernon. She hates the boy. The Dursleys often spoke about Harry like this, as though he wasn't there. Or rather, he was something very nasty couldn't understand, like a slug. Oh, what about, what's her name, your friend Givone? On holiday, Marjoka in Majoroka, snapped Aunt, Aunt Petunia. You could just leave me here, Harry put in hopefully. He'd been, he, he'd be able to watch what he wanted on television for a change, maybe even have a go on Dudley's computer. Aunt Petunia looked as though she had just swallowed a lemon. And come back and find the house in ruins? She snarled. I won't blow up the house, said Harry, but they weren't listening. I suppose we could take him to the zoo, said Aunt Petunia slowly. We could leave him in the car. <laughs> the car is new. He's not sitting in it alone. Dudley began to cry very loudly. In fact, he wasn't really crying. It had been four years, not four years, it had been years since he really cried. But he knew that if he screwed up his face and began to, if he screwed up his face and wailed, his mother would give him anything he wanted. Dinky diddy, dinky duddy dum-dums. Don't cry. Mommy won't let him spoil your special day, she cried, flinging her arms around him. I I don't want him to 
to come, Dudley yelled. Between huge pretend sobs, he always spoils everything. He he shot Harry a nasty grin through the gap of his mother's arms. Just then, the doorbell rang. Oh, good lord, they're here, said Aunt Petunia frantically. And a moment later, Dudley's best friend, Pierre Polkist, walked in with his mother. Piers was a scrawny boy with a face like a rat. He was usually the person who held people's arms behind their backs while Dudley hit them. Dudley stopped pretending to cry at once. Half an hour later, Harry couldn't believe his luck. He was sitting in the back of Harry, not Harry, the Dursley's car with Piers and Dudley on the way to the zoo for the first time in his life. Don't you think Harry was excited, Soph? Yeah. With the peers. His aunt and uncle hadn't been able to think of anything else to do with him, but before they'd left, Uncle Vernon had taken Harry aside. I'm warning you, he said, putting up a large purple finger right up close to Harry's face. I'm warning you now, boy. Any funny business, anything at all, and you'll be in that cupboard from now until Christmas. I'm not going to do anything, said Harry, honestly. But Uncle Vernon didn't believe him. No one ever did. The problem was, strange things often happened around Harry, and he was no good at telling the Dursleys, he didn't make them happen. Once Aunt Petunia, tired of Harry coming back from the barbers as though he hadn't even been there at all, had taken a pair of kitchen scissors and cut his hair so short he was almost bald except for his fringe, which she left to hide that horrible scar. Dudley had laughed himself silly, who spent a sleepless night imagining what would happen to him at school the next day, where he had already been laughed at for his baggy clothes and cello-taped glasses. Next morning, however, he got up to find his hair exactly how it had been before, before Aunt Petunia had sheared it off. He had been given a week in his cupboard for this, even though he tried to explain that he couldn't explain how it could have grown back so quickly. Another time, Aunt Petunia had been trying to force a revolting old jumper of Dudley's, brown with orange baubles. The harder she tried to pull it over his head, the smaller it seemed to become. And finally, it might have fitted a glove puppet, but it certainly wouldn't fit Harry. Aunt Petunia decided it must have shrunk in the wash, and to his great relief, Harry wasn't punished. On the other hand, he had gotten into terrible trouble for being found on the roof of the school kitchens. Dudley's gang had been chasing him around as usual. As much to Harry's surprise as anyone else's, he was sitting on the chimney. The Dursleys had 
received a very angry letter from Harry's headmistress telling them that Harry had been climbing the school building. He tried to, but all he tried to do, as he shouted at Uncle Vernon through the locked doors of the cupboard, is he was was to jump behind the big bins outside the kitchen doors. Harry supposed the wind must have caught him in mid-jump. But today, nothing was going to go wrong. It was even being worth. It was even worth being with Dudley and Pierce to spend the day somewhere that wasn't in his school. Wasn't his school, his cupboard, or Miss Fig's cabbage-smelling living room. While he drove, Uncle Vernon complained to Aunt Petunia. He liked to complain about things. People at work, Harry, the council, Harry, the bank, Harry, and other stuff. Harry were just a few of his favorite subjects. This morning, it was motorbikes. Roaring along like maniacs, young hoodlums, he said as a motorbike overtook them. I had a dream about a motorbike once, remembering suddenly it was flying. Uncle Vernon nearly crashed into the car in front. He turned right around in his seat and yelled at Harry in his face like a gigantic beetroot with a mustache. Motorbikes don't fly! Dudley and Piers sniggered. They don't know. I know they don't, said Harry. It was only a dream. But he wished he hadn't said anything. If there was one thing the, du- the Dursleys hated even more than asking questions, it was... It was talking about anything that acting in a, in a way it shouldn't. No matter if it was a dream or even a cartoon, they seemed to think it might give him dangerous ideas. It was a very sunny Saturday, and the zoo was crowded with families. The Dursleys bought Dudley and Piers large chocolate ice creams at the entrance because a smiling lady in the van asked Harry what he wanted before they could hurry him away. They bought him a, a cheap lemon ice lolly. So Harry must be feeling pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad either, Harry thought, licking it as they watched a gorilla scratching its head and looking remarkably like Dudley, except it wasn't blonde. Harry had the best morning he had had in a very long time. He was careful to walk a little apart from the Dursleys so that Dudley and Piers, who were starting to get bored with the animals by lunchtime, wouldn't fall back on their favorite hobby of hitting him. They ate the, at the, in the zoo restaurant, and when Dudley had a tantrum because his knickerbocker glory wasn't big enough, Uncle Vernon bought him another one, and Harry was allowed to finish the first. Harry felt afterwards he should have known it was all too good to last after lunch they went to the reptile house it was cool and it was dark in there with lit windows windows along the walls behind the glass and all sorts of lizards and snakes were crawling and slithering around bits of wood and stone Dudley and Pierce wanted to see the huge poisonous cobra and the thick man-crushing pythons. 
Dudley quickly found the largest snake in the place, which could have wrapped its body twice around Uncle Vernon's car and crushed it into a dustbin. But at the moment, it didn't look in the mood. In fact, it was fast asleep. Dudley stood with his nose pressed against the glass, staring at the glistening brown coils. Make it move, he want. Make it move, he whined to his father. Uncle Vernon wrapped the glass smartly with his knuckles, but the snake just snoozed on. This is boring, Dudley moaned as he shuffled away. Harry moved in front of the tank and looked intently at the snake itself. He wouldn't have been surprised if it had died of boredom itself. No company except stupid people trumming their fingers on a glass, trying to disturb it all day long. It was worse than having a cupboard as a bedroom, where the only visitor was Aunt Petunia hammering on the door to wake you up. At least he got to visit the rest of the house. The snake suddenly opened its beady eyes. Slowly, very slowly, it raised its head until it until its eyes were on level with Harry's. And it winked. Harry just stared. Then he looked quickly around to see if anyone was watching. No one was watching, luckily. He looked back at the snake and winked back. That's a lot of backs. The snake jerked jerked its head towards Uncle Vernon and Dudley, raised its eye to the ceiling, and gave Harry a look that said quite plainly, I get that all the time. I know, said Harry murmured through the glass, though he really wasn't sure the snake could hear him. It must be really annoying. The snake nodded vigorously. Where do you come from anyway? The snake japped its tail at the little sign next to the glass. Boba Constrictor, Basil. Was it nice there? The Boa Constrictor jabbed its tail at the sign again and read on and harry read on specimen was bred in the zoo oh i see you've never been to brazil the snake shook its head a deafening shout came behind harry dudley mr dursley come and look at the snake you won't believe what it's doing dudley came waddling out of waddling towards harry and as fast as he could. Out of the way, he said, punching Harry in the ribs. Caught by surprise, Harry fell hard on the concrete floor. What came next was so fast, no one saw how it happened. One second, Piers and Dudley were leaning right up close to the glass. The next second, they had leapt back in. They were, they leapt back with howls of horror. Harry sat up and gasped. The glass in front of the boa constrictor tank had vanished and the great snake was uncoiling itself rapidly slithering onto the floor people throughout the reptile house screamed and started running for the exits as the snake slid swiftly past harry could have sworn a low hissing voice said brazil here i come thanks amigo the keeper of the reptile house was in shock but but the glass, he kept saying, where did the glass go? 
The zoo director made Aunt Petunia a cup of strong sweet tea while he apologized over and over again. Piers and Dudley could only give her. As Harry had seen, the snake had, hadn't done anything but snap playfully at their feet as it passed. By the time they were all back in Uncle Vernon's car, Dudley was telling it, telling them how it nearly bit off his leg, while Piers was swearing that it had tried to squeeze him to death. But worst of all, for Harry at least, was Piers coming down enough to say Harry was talking it, talking to it, weren't you, Harry? Dudley waited until Piers was safely out of the house before he started on Harry. Harry was, Uncle Vernon was so angry he could hardly speak. He managed to say, go, cupboard, stay, no meals, before he collapsed into a chair and Aunt Petunia had to run to get him a large brandy. Harry lay in his dark cupboard much later, wishing he had a watch. He didn't know what time it was. He couldn't be sure the Dudleys the Dursleys were asleep yet. Until they were, he couldn't risk sneaking into the kitchen for some food. Harry lived with the Dursleys for ten years. Ten miserable, long years. As long as he could remember, ever since he had been a baby, his parents died in a car crash. He couldn't remember being in the car with his parents when, he had when their parents had died. Sometimes when he strained his memory during long hours in his cupboard, he came up with a strange vision, a blinding flash of green light a, and a burning pain on his forehead. This, he supposed, was the crash. He couldn't imagine where all this green light came from. He couldn't remember his parents at all. His aunt and uncle never spoke about him, and of course he was forbidden to ask questions, and there were no photographs of them in the house. When he had been younger, Harry had dreamed of someone, some unknown relation coming to take him away, but it never happened. The Dursleys were his only family, yet sometimes he thought, or maybe hoped, that strangers in the street seemed to know him too. Very strange strangers they were too. A tiny man in a Violet Top Hat had bowed to him once while out shopping with Aunt Petunia. After asking Harry furiously if he knew the man, Aunt Petunia rushed out of the shop without buying anything. A wild-looking old woman dressed all in green had waved merrily at him in the bus. A bald man with a very long purple coat had once actually shaken his hand in the street the other day and then walked away without a word. The weirdest thing about all these people was the way they seemed to vanish the second Harry tried to get a closer look. At school, Harry had no one. Everybody knew that Dudley's gang hated odd Harry in his baggy old clothes and broken sunglasses but nobody liked to disagree with Dudley's game. And that's it for today. We'll do another chapter tomorrow. We'll start chapter three tomorrow.